Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the old ways actual play team. This actual play uses the Delta Green tabletop role-playing game rules by Green Press. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast may include mature language and themes. All content, including names, places, events, and etc. that may be a resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. And now, let's get on with the show. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. We are playing one of our special, as what we're calling Fever Dreams. We're going to be playing Delta Green tonight. And so I will, without further ado, hand this over to James as our handler. Thank you, Mike. Good evening, everyone. I'd like to thank all of the listeners out there. I'd like to especially thank the Patreon supporters. Thank you very much. Without delay, I think we should just jump right into it. So let's do some introductions. That would be more. I play Cassie Callahan, and yeah, I, I seem to like strong-willed women in all my games. And at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Julian Santos, and I am spent all of last game in handcuffs, and I might spend all of this game in handcuffs. Let's see what happens. You might. We'll see how it plays out. Then next to Jake would be Silas. Hello, I am Silas. I play Nick Montgomery. I am looking forward to a nice hot bath, maybe cigar, a little bit of scotch, and a nice early bedtime. That's going to happen, right? Totally. That sounds like a fantastic evening. I'm sure it will. Uh, Slippers, smoking jacket, pipe and all. And, of course, is Mike. Hi, my name is Mike, and I will be playing Deputy Anthony Bartlett with the United States Marshal Service, who for whatever reason, was in a car accident last game along with some other folks and now is in the middle of, well, he's not really sure, but we'll try to figure that out. I'm sure you guys will piece that together. So we're going to pull the curtains back. Those curtains are going to reveal the inside of a hotel room. Anthony, you are currently seated on the end of the bed, taking a a load off of the feet. Your, Your dogs are barking after that long trek from the car accident that you were apparently in and your roommate julian is currently in the bathroom Hmm. okay she's only been in there for a few minutes you can very faintly hear voices coming through the wall first of all you note that walls are probably about as thick as a matchbook two apparently cassie and nick are still awake it's only been a couple hours since you guys got to the hotel so you've managed to Stretch a little, knock some of the dust off, wash your face, take stock of the situation. Yeah, I suppose that in my uh, tenure already with the Marshal Service, I have probably been up for stakeouts and other sorts of situations where I've had to go on a little less sleep than I probably would like. So I just mentally kind of put myself into that framework and I've probably relaxed a little bit and I'd like to have been or, or begin anyway, reviewing some of this information on Julian. Not seeing a reason why he'd been charged or why he was arrested probably is a, a small flower that's beginning to bloom some serious discomfort with his uh, sense of law and order. It, it's not okay to not have some sort of charge. It kind of rankles at you a little bit now that you've had time to mull that over. You don't know what he's guilty of, if he's guilty of anything, but you do know that transporting him without any kind of charges is directly against his constitutional rights. 
you start digging through this information. Um, there's a very small amount of information about him personally in there, other than his transfer form. There's that photo of him, and it looks like there's a couple of receipts of places that he's apparently stayed before over the last couple of months, both in Vegas. Okay. And that's about it concerning Julian. Hmm, okay. Is there any other tertiary information that might apply to him or to Nick for that matter? Why this civilian is with us? That is also a very good question. There's actually even less information about Nick than there is about Julian. Julian's presence is noted paperwork-wise, whereas Nick's presence is not. You know very well that when transporting a prisoner, it would be a ridiculous violation of protocol to have a civilian along. As I'm keeping an ear out for what's going on in the bathroom, I'm probably uh, slowly growing very uncomfortable with this situation. Because mm. in the mind of Mr. Bartlett here, for that matter, Deputy Bartlett, things have to link up. There has to be a reason why he's here. We can't just say, here, take this person to prison. In, in Anthony's mind, even if this is a, a violation of the U.S. Patriot Act or something like that, that has to be stated on the paperwork. There has to be a reason we're taking him to some sort of detention facility. We don't just get to do that. We're not the Gestapo. Exactly. That's pretty much against everything that you stand for. Speaking of, you don't hear much from the bathroom, so let's let's cut the camera to the bathroom while Anthony checks through the paperwork. So, Julian. Yes? You've been in the bathroom just for a couple of minutes now. You had the call of nature, as it were. What are you doing in there? Well, you know, I'll be using the bathroom, and then I will wash my hands. So tell me about this bathroom. What's in the bathroom? Well, small porcelain toilet very classic 1950s low toilet it's got a vanity that's the wooden side with that kind of marbled plastic top and silver fixtures there's a shower slash tub with a shower curtain that's pulled back the shower curtain is kind of an opaque there's a couple of little bottles of shampoo little tiny soap there's some folded towels and there's a small vent window, but not anywhere big enough for you to climb out of, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what kind of toilet paper holder does it have? The tube kind with the spring in the middle. All right, I want to turn the water on to wash my hands, and then I want to take that toilet paper roll out. Okay. I want to get into it and take the spring out of it. Okay, pretty easily done. Just takes a moment or two. If you want to do it exceptionally quietly, give me a stealth roll. Okay. Oh, it's a failure. 83 over into 50. What's going on in there? Just washing my hands. I'll be down in a minute. Yeah, you look at the toilet paper roll on the floor now. As you tried to pull it apart, it actually sprang back together and shot out of your hands and hit the floor. I go over near the uh, bathroom door. I'm going to give it a quick tap just with my knuckles. Okay. Let's go. All right. All right. I'll be out in just a minute. Do you want to try it one more time, Jake? Yeah. Okay. Make me one more stealth roll, because you're under duress now, and you know that he's standing right outside. God damn it. Anthony, you hear the sound of him knocking something over in the bathroom. You don't know if it's shenanigans or if he actually is having a hard time doing things because he's handcuffed. I'm going to force the door open. Okay. If it's a shitty motel room, there can't be much of a lock on the handle here. 
make me a strength roll. Just to make sure that you don't botch and bust your shoulder open or something. Julian, you hear thud from the outside of the bathroom door. All right, I'm going to put the centerpiece into a pocket, finish washing my hands, wipe me down, and go unlock the door. Anthony, just as you're gearing up to take a second run at this door, you hear a click and it opens. He comes out. You see a very angry <laughs> United States Marshal. Let's go. Over here. Did you want to help me? I'm going to grab him by like the shoulder, get him onto the bed. If you're not resisting, Jake, he maneuvers you over and sets you down on the bed. No. No, I, I don't resist. Cassie. Yeah. You are just getting finished reading a book. Right. In fact, you're startled off of the last page. It makes your heart skip a little. As you're reading the last page, you hear a resounding thud come from your bathroom. From my bathroom? Yes. I quickly get up and put my hand you know, on the side of my gun and knock on the door. Okay. Is everything okay in there? Is he unconscious? Nick, were you in the shower at the time? Nick could have been in the shower at the time. Sure. Okay. You were in the shower and a resounding thud comes through the wall from the other room. You hear the bathroom door open and Cassie's voice. Is everything okay in there? I think that came through the wall. That that wasn't me. Okay. I um I'll be right back. And I go rushing out the door and I go knock on the other door and try that other motel room. Okay. I'm assuming it's locked. Anthony, did you lock your door? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, there's a fervent pounding on it. Yeah, who is it? It's Cassie. Is everything okay in there? I go over to the door. I'm going to keep a fair bit of one eye on our prisoner and go to the door. Yeah, we're fine. What's up? Well, I thought something happened to Nick in the shower, but he said it came from your guys' bathroom. Eh, it's probably the student here just, you know, giving it a good jerk. It's fine. My face reddens a little bit. Okay. And I head back to the room. You turn and start heading back to the other room. You notice it's a nice, brisk evening out here in the desert. As you're about to enter your room off to the far end of the motel in the crook of the L, of, if you will, near the minivan. There's a gentleman leaning against it, short, little heavy set, balding a little. He's leaning against the side of the van, smoking a cigarette. He kind of waves to you, big smile on his face. I wave back and raise an eyebrow. Although, I do have a gun, so if he tries anything. I stroll towards him and I say hello. He looks at your badge and your gun. Evening, officer. Good evening. Um, my compatriots and I are a little stranded out here. I was wondering, do you happen to have a cell phone on you? I think my wife's is working. Mine, mine gets no reception out here. Sorry. He pulls his apple out and he kind of poke, poke, poke. Yeah, nothing. It's probably just because of the towers. Let me see. Hang on. He goes over and opens the door, kind of pokes his head in. Hey, honey, is your phone working? You hear a murmured voice come from inside amongst the screams of a little girl jumping up and down on a bed. He closes the door, turns back around, digging his finger in his ear a little bit as if to get all of the noise out. She says hers isn't working that great either. Sorry. Hmm. There's something about this valley. I don't know. Name's Tom. Puts his hand out. Tom Tuckerman. I extend my hand. I'm Deputy Cassidy with the U.S. Marshal Service. 
Oh, okay. Wow. I had an uncle that was a marshal. Really? Yeah, he kind of drops a cigarette on the ground and crushes it out. Yeah, yeah. Years ago. Years ago. He's retired now. He stretches a little bit. He's like, yeah, as much as I love my kid, sometimes she gets to be a little too much. I just need a little bit of fresh air. You know how it is. Unfortunately, I don't have any children, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, you know, each to their own. No harm in not having kids. Uh, you're doing a good thing. He points to your badge. You have a good night, officer. Thanks. You too, Mr. Tuckerman. And I turn around and head back to the room. You go inside and close the door. Nick, you're out of the shower now and dried off and dressed. Very efficient. <laughs> it took her a little while and you were almost done. What are you guys doing? Aside from having spent the last couple hours reading. Uh, we probably should be discussing that journal. Nick, you're out of the bathroom, right? Yep, I'm all uh, clean, but dressed in my clothes that I was wearing before. So it's clean as one gets. Oh, that journal you had me read. He raises an eyebrow at you. If I got the context of the journal, the bracelets we're wearing are supposed to stop whatever bad juju. I don't have a scientific term from getting at us. Nick, did you leave yours on in the shower? Are you wearing it now? You know, I remember I had taken it off to inspect it, and that's a good question. I don't know if I would have pocketed it at that point or put it back on or otherwise. I'd say unless it was habit, like, you know, putting a watch back on, I probably would not have. All right. So, Nick, as she's talking, it's hard to concentrate on her words because you have a pounding headache. You can hear the words. It's just that your head is filled with colors and shapes and sharp edges, and it is really hard to focus on what she's actually saying. Do I notice that he's not wearing his bracelet anymore? You do. And you notice that he's at least twice while you've been talking to him, he has stopped and lifted his glasses up subconsciously and has rubbed the, his temples or the bridge of his nose. I put my finger to my lip. Nick, where's your copper bracelet at? I don't know. Did I take it off in the bathroom? Or, or maybe it's on the nightstand over here. You're not entirely certain where he put it. Did you check your pockets? Check my pockets. I don't know. Where did I stash it at? You eventually find it in your jacket pocket. You pull it out and it's a little tarnished around the edges. And, but coppery as you remember it. Right on. Do you put it on? So, since I know there's some crazy bits in that little uh, couple pages that we read there that were completely not real things, because I've read things like this before, and generally it means that people were losing their mind. I don't know that'd be an automatic paranoid reflex at this point. Yeah, he's just kind of holding it. Doesn't really seem to be putting it on, but doesn't really seem to be resisting putting it on. You look at yours. Yeah. It's hard to see the copper color on it. It's mostly green on the outside now. Because I wore it in the shower, I'm assuming? No. In fact, you probably even took it off for a few minutes when you were in the shower and put it back on. So do I feel any side effects? Your temples hurt a little bit, but you don't feel odd. Well, that could be because I hit my head, too. That could be. In a, in a car crash. <laughs> 
Yeah. Where's that box at? Is that box in our room or is it in Anthony's room? Assuming no one had handed it off, Nick still has it and it's sitting over on the dresser. Okay. I look over at Nick. Nick, why don't you try putting on your bracelet and seeing what happens? It's not going to hurt anything. All right. I put the bracelet back on. Over the course of 10 to 15 seconds, your headache goes away. Like somebody grabbed a volume knob and turned it down drastically. That's odd. Do you say that out loud or in your head? Little of both. Well. He mumbles it. Well, I guess with some of the other things I've seen in my duration as a U.S. Marshal, it's not all that odd. I'll take your word on that. So at this point, I'm going to go over to Anthony and Julian's room again to make sure that they're still wearing their bracelets. Okay. And I'm going to take the journal with me so Anthony can read it. Okay. You knock on Anthony's door. Who is it? It's Deputy Cassie. I get up and head to the door. Open. Come on in. Thanks. I come walking in. I hand him the journal. So you may want to read this journal. It may give us a clue as, well, it's not a may. It will give you a clue as to why we are wearing these bracelets that hopefully you're still wearing and what the plate does that was in that, that's in that crate that is in my room Mm -hmm. and possibly what Julian was doing in Las Vegas. All right. I'll take a look. Side note, Cassie, did you plug in your phone? I would assume so. Uh, well, did I even have a charger with me? Not that you know of, but you do realize that you have a dead phone. So charger usually sold at gas stations. You know that. Anthony, I'm going to go pick up a charger over at the gas station. Did you need me to get you anything while I'm there? No, I, I don't. But you want to just step outside with me really quick? Sure. James, I'm going to step outside enough to keep the door propped open so I can still see Julian. Okay. But I am going to turn part of my attention to Cassie and in a very low voice say, listen, this this is pretty clear as far as I'm concerned. I don't, I don't think we can hold him. It's not right. With there being no charges on there, that makes me think something funny was going on and that it might not necessarily have been you or I that together that paperwork yeah we we should probably uncuff him yeah and based on the journal that i read he was in vegas working with us and not against us all right i'll take care of that maybe we can sit down and decipher this journal sounds good i step back in okay and then i'm shut the door i'll motion to julian come over here for me yes sir chief so listen um i looked over your paperwork the paperwork that we had from the wreck and your name is all on it, and we're supposed to take you somewhere, but there's no charge. The paperwork doesn't state a charge. I can't keep you in handcuffs anymore. It's not right. Well, I'm certainly not going to argue. I reach over and take the cuffs off of him. Okay. But before you make any other plans, Deputy Cassie here says that your name is all over these journal entries. I wonder if you'd sit down and at least look at them with me and try to get an idea of what the hell was going on in Las Vegas. Yeah, I can do that. Hey, so we have some memory issues, right? Yeah, I mean, not everything is real clear after the accident. Some things are, some things aren't. I think everybody's having some memory issues. It's kind of odd for all of us to be having memory issues after an accident like that, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I agree. It's pretty rare. I mean, it's not uncommon to uh, have concussion issues or that might deal with memories, but all four of us, it's pretty strange. Right. So, I don't know about you, but there's something really weird going on here. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. No cell phone service, no landline service, no other vehicles. It's pretty weird. Yeah, so I don't know if Marshall over there should be going over by herself. I don't know. I guess from what I can remember of Cassie, she seems to be pretty competent. I'm just saying. Are you guys going to start pouring over the journal? Yeah, I think it's, you know, set out the entries that we have and just try to get an idea of what's in them. It's a small brown leather-bound book held close with a rubber band. A large portion of the pages look like frantically taken notes from someone translating an old or foreign language, but there are about 10 entries that seem more personal. While you guys go ahead and absorb those, I will deal with Cassie and Nick. So, Cassie. (laughs) Yeah? You step out into the night. It is brisk, but you've already been out once. Your hair is still a little damp from being in the shower, so it's a little more brisk than you would like. So you quicken your step. You head across the road to the awning, which is providing a good portion of the light out here in the dark, and step double doors into the gas station. It's a thin gentleman sitting behind the counter, ashtray next to him. He's kicked back with his feet up on one of the side counters, and there's a little TV DVD player, like a portable one. It looks like it's playing The Office, maybe Friends, you're not sure. You hear a laugh track in the background. When you walk in, he puts his feet down, stands up a little. Hi. Hi, I was wondering if you had any phone chargers for sale. Oh, uh, yeah, actually. Over there by the postcards. He kind of gestures off. Great, thank you. Hey, yeah, not a problem. He kind of leans on the counter a little bit and watches you walk by. Hey, uh walk over and I glance at the chargers and I pick the one that's appropriate for my phone. Uh, He's right next to the rack of postcards and there's some t-shirts that say the what spot on them and yeah, find eventually the charger that you need. Great. I go over to him and this will be it but I have a question. Yeah, he's kind of beep 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 beep. I glance over at the t-shirt so why do we call this the what spot? He kind of gestures across the street and then looks over at the t-shirts. I'm just trying to offload some old merchandise from my grandpa's store. He opened it across the street. It was one of those souvenir fireworks places that jumped up all over California. And he lost his ass on it. The whole store is still full of stuff. I can't even go in there because of legal issues. It's ridiculous. He leans on the counter again. But that's not your issue. That's mine. He lifts up what you thought was a cigarette out of the ashtray, then puts it down. That'll be 627. I pull out my wallet and do I have any more cash left, James? Yeah, you've got about like 35, 36 bucks somewhere in there. I hand him a five and two ones. Boop, boop, boop. He makes your change. Here you go. Do you need a receipt? No, thank you. I take the change and kind of glance around again and, uh, you know, hit my head. Make me a search roll. All right. I've got a 34 out of 70. Fantastic. As you're about to leave, you literally spin on your heel. Your training 
kicks in. You happen to glance through the glass doors into the diner. You see the waitress. She's standing in the middle of the aisle, near to where the booth was where you were eating earlier. She's just standing there, staring off that hundred-yard stare. Oh, that's... What really alarms you is that the coffee pot in her hand has tipped, and she is currently slowly pouring the contents of the coffee pot on the floor. I can get through to the diner through the doors in the convenience area? Mm -hmm. Okay. I nod at the guy at the counter and then walk nonchalantly through the doors. Okay. I go up to... The name tag says Antoinette. Antoinette. And I take the coffee pot out of her, I'm assuming, right hand. Mm Mm-hmm. So she stops pouring it on the ground and set it down on the counter. When you get close enough to take the coffee pot and your eyes move up to her face, she's staring, not really through the window, but through the wall, directly at the motel. And her mouth is moving like she's whispering, but there's no sound coming out. She's mouthing words. Is there a skill where I can maybe read her lips? Ooh, that's a very good question. You know what? I know it's outside of it, but give me a forensics roll. Oh, I got a fumble. I got a 55 out of 50. Oh, you got a critical fumble. Okay. You have not only no idea what she's saying, but as you're standing there and staring at her lips, trying to figure out what she is saying, the only thing that saves the back of your head is the fact that you smell cooking grease and you get a dodge roll. That means there's somebody behind me? What the? (laughs) I got a 62 out of 60. My God, I'm going to get smacked. The back of your head does get hit with something. You hear glass shatter. And you take one point of damage. All right. Do I get to make an action, even though I died? Yes, you do. Sweet. I don't want to shoot a gun because Antoinette's right there and I want to accidentally shoot her. But I do have a big old knife in my boot. Yeah, you sure do. Whoever hit me is, they'll be close enough to me that I'd like to. Do I get knocked down when they smack me? No, no. I just get hit. You just get hit. I'd like to grab my knife and turn around and try to stab them. You've been hit harder than that by perps before. But what hurt was that it was glass, so you might be bleeding, and that it was by surprise from behind while you were trying to help someone. I'd actually like to do unarmed combat, and... You want to do unarmed combat? You're just going to spin around and... And kick the shit out of them, yeah. Kick the shit out of whoever it was? Yep. Okay. Go ahead and make me an unarmed combat roll. Pray so hard. I got a 77 out of 80, though. How is that critical? That's a critical success. Every double that's under your skill is considered a critical success. Oh, okay. I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> Silas laughing. You got a critical success. Not only did you spin, but you spin very gracefully and you managed to completely move your head down instinctively as whatever it was goes sailing back again across your head. You instinctively kick a rather rotund gentleman in the gut and easily knock him to the ground. He's wearing an apron and a stained t-shirt. Roll your damage. 
Oh. Haha. <laughs> See if I can actually do that. You roundhouse him in the side of the head and knock him down. You assume that this is the cook. Do I have any other moves I can make? I don't want to continue to hurt him. He's down. He's very down. Is he awake? He is. His head is twisted to the side, and he seems to be looking the same direction that Antoinette is looking. Okay. Dang it. Seeing as they're both out of it, I don't want to try to rouse either one of them. I am going to take my leave and run across the street to go to grab Anthony. All right, you sprint across the street. On your way, I need you to make me an alertness roll. I got a success, 64 and a 70. As you're running across the street, you get about full with the small building there in front of the motel. Something about the night seems different, wrong. And you turn as you put your hand on the door handle of Anthony's room and look back across the street and there's someone standing half in and half out of the shadows. Can I identify what they look like or anything or is it just too dark? You can make me a search roll. I get a four out of 70. That is a very successful roll. He's looks to be about six foot, six foot one, wearing a dark colored suit with a light colored shirt and a dark colored tie under it. He's wearing sunglasses and he's just standing there at the edge of where the light and the darkness meet on the other side. I look at him and I meet him eye for eye because I want him to know that I can see him till he looks away. He doesn't look away. He just steps backwards into the darkness a little bit so that you can barely make out his figure there. Am I at Anthony and Julian's door? Oh, yeah. I knock on the door, but I'm still looking back at the shadows to see if I can see him. You're knocking backwards, basically? Yeah, I, my head's turned and I'm knocking. I, I think that's... I, I, I can handle that. You can do that. This knock is a little more frantic. A little harder. Oh, okay. I get up. Mm -hmm. Probably from the table that we're, we're sitting near, or the beds or whatever, and I head over to the door and open it up. Okay. Cassie has her back to you. In fact, when you open the door, she continues to try to knock for a second. Cassie, what's going on? Can he see the blood on the back of my head? Because I'm assuming I'm bleeding. Oh, yeah. The back of her head is bleeding, and there's a small piece of glass in her hair, and the back of her neck is covered in blood. What's going on? I step out. Mm -hmm. And I'm still looking at the guy across the street, right? Yeah, you are. Okay. Without even breaking a beat from staring at him, we have a problem. I don't know what's going on here, but one... There's some creepy-ass dude staring at me in the shadows that is wearing a suit, dark-colored suit, sunglasses. But the bigger problem at the moment is the people in the cafe. I just got smacked over the... Yeah, no, no, I, I see that. I see that. They seem like they're in some sort of trance-type state. I have no idea what's going on. Mike, you can tell that she was hit with a Coke glass, as you can actually see a small piece of glass that has this CO on it in her hair. The first aid kit's in there. There should be gauze and bandages. We got to get that glass out of your skull. Okay. Julian, you can hear Anthony's part of this. All right. Nick, Nick, you hear voices outside that sound kind of raised and a little concerned. I'm still talking to Anthony. The guy that hit me, it must be their cook. I took him down, but who knows what's gonna, what they're going to do next. 
James, can I see anybody out here? Make me a search roll, Mike. Because she's talking about, like, an invisible man and... <laughs> there's an aliens and there's a... Shadow organizations. Oh, my God. Bigfoot. <laughs> That's a success. 39 under 50. Across the road and, again, where the light and the darkness meet, all the way on the other side in the parking lot next to the gas station, you do see a figure. You can pretty much see the tips of his shoes, the front crease of his pants, and his hands at this point because he's in the shadows. But you do, with your trained eye, manage to spot somebody standing over there. Are his hands empty? They seem empty. Okay. I point to this guy. Is this the guy that hit you or is it the cook that hit you? No, that is just somebody that I felt staring at me when I ran across the street. It was the cook that hit me. And he should still be down in the cafe. Ring his bell, did you? Just a little bit. I bring her inside then and I shut the door. We have the first aid kit in here. If she said she, you know, got a lick in on the cook, that's fine. Dude who's across the street, in and out of the light. It's a free country. He can stand in in and out of the light and be creepy. It's not illegal. Right. Hey, uh, James. Yeah. I'm going to uh, take the first aid kit and I will tend to her because Anthony's looking out the door. I sit down. With a 30, you take your time. Takes you about three minutes. He's actually got a surprisingly gentle touch when it comes to the first aid administration. He's very careful around the wound. He wipes it down. She's not going to need stitches, but any deeper than she would have. You can cover this up with a couple of butterfly bandages, but she probably should see a doctor within a day or two. Yeah, so you might you might get a little bit of a concussion, but uh, it should be okay. So are you like a doctor or something? <laughs> no, I've just uh, had a patch of few people up once in a while. I touch the back of my head a little bit and win. I nod. I thank you. So Tony, I'm not going to tell you I said so, but I said so. I kind of raised my eyebrow. What's he talking about? I told him you shouldn't be going over there alone. Uh, what? Uh, I, I have no, I've got nothing. <laughs> you want to object, but then you touch the back of your head again and go, ow. Yeah, he's not wrong. We're in unknown territory. I probably should have brought back up with me. And you probably shouldn't leave the civilian over there in uh, that room alone. Just saying. So, Nick, what are you doing? I'll assume that means I'm not bleeding to death all by myself, so... No, not yet, no. I heard them talking. They could just be doing their U.S. Marshals thing don't know that I have any reason to be overly concerned. How long has it been since she left the room the first time? Has it been a couple minutes now? Oh, yeah. So curiosity may have gotten the better of me because weird things might do that. You can feel the curiosity building. What's it building toward? So what happens if I take off the little chintzy-ass copper bracelet that I'm wearing and can't possibly be as important as it appears to be? Are you taking it back off? Yeah, absolutely. All right, you slide it off of your wrist, and that volume knob that I mentioned earlier where the headache was turned down, you can feel it slowly being turned back up, but it's not a headache this time. It's tiny whispers. You can hear this cacophony of a hundred different little whispers in the back of your mind. That's lovely, and if I put the bracelet back on, does it immediately stop? Not immediately, but it does eventually stop. So it's getting hard to ignore a possibly 
just demonstrated cause and effect relationship. Scientifically, you've formed a cause and effect relationship now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I know about these things, but from a very much this is what people believe, not a X-Files is totally real kind of bent. Can I link this back to anything that I've read about, that I've researched, or just stories that have come up? Make me an history roll. Let's see if you remember. With an 18, that's actually a fairly good roll. You do know of a group, Europe, I mean, talking a couple thousand years ago here, that used copper, not exclusively, but very predominantly in their religion and in their day-to-day life. And the symbols on your bracelet tickling at the back of your mind that you've seen something like this before. And eventually what really breaks it open for you is in the research, there's the photograph of it, and it's called the Talanyanki plate. You realize that you've been to Talanyanki. It's a place in the Ukraine. All right, so I've been to a place... Once, a long time ago. You spent two days there. Yeah. Was it anything of consequence, or was it just a stop? It was a educational trip. You were doing some research on the Kukutani Tripelia civilization that stretched all the way through the Carpathian Mountains. This was early in your career. You don't remember a lot of what was going on there, but you do remember the symbols stuck with you. And the symbols on this plate are very, very similar. Right. This is probably a little too much to be coincidence. Does anybody return to my room as I'm mulling things over? Seems like Cassie has gone to the other room. Okay, I'm gonna head back over to the other room and see what they're up to. Okay, you step out into the brisk evening. You're about to knock on the door. You hear a voice from behind you, quite a ways away. In fact, if the people inside the room want to give me an alertness roll to see if inside the hotel room they can also hear this. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Oh. Nope. (laughs) Mike, you are hip deep in the journal right at the moment, so you don't quite hear it. However, Julian and Cassie are closest to the door as they're currently doing first aid in the back of Cassie's head. And they hear more distantly because it's coming through the door, kind of muffled. But it's a thick, rolling tongue that neither of you recognize. And it says something. I look back at Julian and catch his eye. I'm assuming he's done patching me up. Mm -hmm. I immediately get up and go to the door to open it. All right. Your face almost gets knocked on by Nicholas as he is standing there and just about to knock on the door. I I put my hand up to, to stop his hand. Nicholas, you hear it very clearly. It's very clearly not English. You recognize the language, Nicholas. Cassie and Julian, you do not. Obviously, Nicholas is right there. Can I see the recognition on his face that he recognizes whatever's being said? Or do we see the person that's saying it? I'm assuming it's the dude. It's coming from across the street. Yep. Yeah, the one dude. So I guess to clarify, do I recognize the language or do I actually understand what is being said? 
you recognize the language and I need you to make me a language roll. All right. So apparently he's talking too fast. Cassie, you can see Nick's face desperately trying to gather what the figure over in the dark is saying in order to, you assume, translate it. Make me another roll, Nicholas. Make this one successfully. I'll, I'll see what I can do. No. No. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you get a lot more this time. I grab Nick and I pull him into the room and then I slam the door behind us. Okay. The man is still yelling things. That's fine. And Nick is straining to hear. All right. He says they've been looking for us, but we may not know. We have come to... And I didn't hear the last word. Saying they have come to help. But... I'm a little confused. They're here to help. Why is he hiding in the dark? I'm assuming Anthony is still, like nose deep in the journal. Actually, I turn to Julian and say, wait a minute. You called him a civilian. Does that mean you're non-civilian? No, it just means that he's not law enforcement. Nicholas, make one more language roll. I catch what Anthony's trying to say. Hey, you just suck at Ukrainian, by the way, Nick. You know, conversational <laughs> and translating from some crazy guy yelling across the parking lot are not necessarily the same skill set. That's fair. Morgan, how much conversational Ukrainian do you know? <laughs> Zero. Right, okay. I look over at Julian. Are you military? No, never have, never will. Hey, guys, that last line was, we, we have come to take you home. And first a something of those that would own you. I'm not getting good vibes out of this. Oh, he's not talking to us. Who's he talking to? I sure felt like he was talking to me. He's talking to that, that stupid plate in that box. Just read the notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the guy was hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Another nutbag. So I don't tend to believe in these kinds of things. They're things I've read about, things I've studied, but I, I took that bracelet off to take a shower and I had a splitting headache coming out of it and it went away very quickly after I put the bracelet on. I took it back off and I started hearing something, which also stopped. I can't explain that. That plate is in the other room, by the way. We should probably get that. Yeah, why don't you go collect it? Not by myself. <laughs> Take Nick with you. I glance at Nick. All right, come on, Nick. I unholster my gun. And you step outside? Oh, yeah. Is that guy still yelling? No, he has stopped yelling. Shit. Can I still see him over there? You look out across the parking lot, and Cassie and Nick, there are five individuals now standing in the light staring at the motel. They're very thin. They almost look malnourished. Each one of them is armed with an implement of some sort. You see glints of metal, and their clothes are dirty. And they all seem to be staring at you. I feel a little weird inside. Nick, go grab the box. I'll grab the box. The duffel with the books was also over there still, if I remember correctly. I will 
make an effort to hack that up and grab that as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, I leave the door open to the room so I can see both the people across the street and Nick. The gentleman in the suit, he raises his arms in petite pose and then lets them drop. The moment they hit his sides, the five people begin sprinting at the motel. Crap. Crap, 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 crap. I'm yelling at this point for Anthony to grab a gun. How much of this from the open motel room have I seen? From the hotel room door, you see two figures, and they begin to run at you. Now you hear Cassie's voice. I'll step out of the, the motel room as well and assess the situation. As you step out into the brisk night air, as you step out underneath the awning, you see five individuals literally breakneck sprinting towards the motel. I pull my gun and say, United States Marshal Service, stand down. Stand where you are. They are not hesitating. Two of them are coming directly at your room from one side. Two are coming directly at your room from the other side. And then one seems to be breaking off to the north. Okay, I'm going to position my body to the left where there are three targets. And then hopefully Cassie will take my cue and focus on the right. She does. And I'm again at the top of my lungs at this point. I'm going to tell them to freeze. I don't think they're listening. I really, I don't want to have them shoot. I'm yelling at the people that are coming my way to the right. I will shoot you if you do not stop. All right. They are coming in at a fairly brisk pace. You are standing there, your guns drawn, and you are looking down the barrels at these emaciated figures that are running at you with what appears to be an absolute disregard for their own safety in any fashion. And it dawns on you both almost simultaneously. You meet eyes for just a second and look back at your targets and realize that you are, in fact, probably going to have to pull the trigger on these men as they charge toward you foam leaking out of the corners of their mouth and blood in their eyes. Nick, you're grabbing as much as you can, as quickly as you can, grabbing the box, and you put your hands on the box. The first thing that goes through your mind is, I shouldn't have had my bracelet off for so long. Julian, you see between Cassie and Anthony, you've seen better kept people in maximum security prisons. And they are charging your hotel room, and you've seen that look in someone's eye before. You know full well what it means. There's going to be some blood tonight. Might be yours. Might be theirs. Let's find out next time. I'm going to go ahead and call it there, folks, as you're all staring down the barrel of insanity. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us. Especially thank you to the Patreon members. Absolutely thank you so much for continuing to support us. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us.